What's up, crew? Welcome to Filming in Progress, the show that takes you backstage into the world of local businesses and the people who make them shine. Let's, let's do it, man. Right on. Well, uh, welcome. Today we're chatting with Mike Sherrard. Mike has built a real estate empire with over a thousand agents on his team, leveraging personal branding and social media. Having not physically sold homes in years, Mike is dedicated to helping realtors scale with inventive and nuanced social marketing strategies. This mission made Mike a multimillionaire before 30, a public speaker, and a YouTube sensation. He is obsessed with becoming great and works 14 hours per day, seven days per week, uh, to bring his vision to life. He's also an avid car and watch collector, ultimately demonstrating what is possible with hard work and dedication to one's craft. Mike, welcome. Thanks, man. Excited to be here. How did you get here? Yeah, it's a million dollar question, literally. Um, you know, growing up, town of 12,000 people, parents didn't have a lot, always wanted more to life. And it kind of stemmed with cars, like wanting to, you know, eventually you know, make as much success as I could in order to live a life where, you know, we didn't get to go on lavish vacations growing up. We didn't, you know, have nice vehicles or, you know, time freedom. You know, my parents are both super busy and I'll never forget that. And my parents are the most supportive people in the world, but I'll never forget driving downtown in St. John, New Brunswick and, and telling my dad in the car at like 10 that dad, one day I want to drive to work in a Lamborghini. And, you know, supported beyond belief, but looked at me and was like, well, people just don't do that. And so every single person in my dad's family is an engineer. And I like to draw, I like math. I was like, okay, engineering. And, you know, despite being recognized as one of the top employees of 60,000 in my engineering firm when I first got started, you know, I look around the car park and not even the general manager has, you know, the lifestyle and the things that I wanted to, to build for myself. So I started to look a different way. And, you know, long story short, I broke my collarbone and had two weeks of downtime. And that was kind of the first time I had time to sit and think. And I said, you know, I like the idea of investing. Don't have the money to invest, but maybe being a residential realtor allows me to learn the three key things that I think any entrepreneur needs, which is marketing, branding, and sales. And if you can learn those, it can apply to something else. So I didn't look at being a realtor as like this forever opportunity. I looked at it as a catalyst to maybe getting me to where I want to be eventually. Um, so the long and short of it is ended up door knocking every single day. Um, got my first two listings in minus 10 in the snow when I door knocked the first night and started to see success. But then I started to understand the concept of leverage and that your business only grows if you're doing traditional prospecting when you're putting time into your business. So I latched on to Facebook ads and did really well with that. But then when things really took off was with YouTube. And when I started looking at the evergreen nature and the searchability of it, I went all in. And after, you know, five years into this journey, now almost 90,000 subscribers and, you know, it, it generates seven figures a year from, you know, doing what you love, but also having the right people come to you. Because that's what, where a lot of people go wrong is when you're generating cold leads or prospecting, you have a bunch of the wrong clients because you're targeting anybody. But when you attract clients, you have the right people coming to you. Right on, really cool. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, your your background in engineering, and that's where your education was. That's where you started, kind of your your work life. Um, I'm curious as to take take me back. Was there entrepreneurial um, elements of your childhood? Did you you know were there things that you did that were kind of entrepreneurial in nature before you know going to going on to do what you do now? Yeah, definitely. It's it's really funny. Like I'll never forget in my bedroom as a kid, I. You know, at one point, I set out all of my favorite toys, and I was trying to sell my toys back to my parents. So I actually have still to this day it's in a wallet in my storage, um, but it's a two dollar bill, which are you know not made anymore. Um, but it was a two dollar bill that my mom gave me to buy back one of my favorite toys that they bought me. Um, so you know, did the typical lemonade stand, did the typical stuff where you know for school sports, door knocking with chocolate almonds and things like that. And I always liked pushing myself in that sense. And I was always attracted to money in the sense of not necessarily just the material aspect of it, but the freedom. And I think that's where a lot of people misunderstand income is 
when you amass a certain amount of income, it's, you know, you can always get a nicer car, nicer house, nicer watch, whatever. But at the end of the day, what it does is it gives you freedom. It gives you freedom of choice. And what I've found is that, you know, from a stress perspective, when you're so financially stressed, it, it consumes you. And when I started to do well for myself, that's when I started realizing that you can operate more at a passion versus necessity. Awesome. You mentioned uh, you mentioned you grew up in a town of twelve thousand people. That's obviously quite quite a bit smaller than where we are now. Um, do you think that had any effect on you know maybe your upbringing, but also where you are now? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I'm I love having and I operate with a chip on my shoulder because you know and I was bullied as a kid um, all through basically end of middle school, all throughout high school. Um, not having the opportunities that other people had. And that was, those were kind of two things as family and the low self-esteem, you know, limiting beliefs, self-sabotaging behavior from being bullied. Um, And then also looking at my family and the fact that my family poured into me, they were everything. So I kind of had like these two dynamics of saying, okay, number one, I want to be able to, you know, treat my family like gold, retire my parents, which I'm doing. Um, but then simultaneously, I love proving people wrong. So when everybody doubted me and, and thought that, you know, I wouldn't be able to amount to anything, those, the, the motivation of the family, but the chip on the shoulder with all the negativity was like, okay, you know, let's, let's show people what's up, you know, grab the popcorn and get ready for the show, basically. Um, because I think that's the ultimate motivation is looking at proving what you're capable of as a person. Right, right. Um, I found it interesting. I read, I read about it, and also I've heard you speak about this. But that you're, uh, you're an introvert by nature. Yeah. You know, people that that see you doing your YouTube and doing, you know, everything that you do is very social, right? Uh, you're social first. That's how you built everything that you did. How do you navigate that as an introvert? And how, like, how do you, you know, get back to those introverted tendencies now, maybe to recharge or whatever that might look like for you? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, people see the highlight reel on. Instagram. Um, but if they see the reality, you already alluded to it in the introduction, which is, you know, I basically sit in the offices that you've seen and for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day, I'm, I'm plugging away. Um, and I think for me, that's kind of the recharge aspect of it because it's, it's draining. Um, and yes, you know, I've been able to find enjoyment in the limelight, if you will, and the excitement. And I think for me, it's almost more validity of what I'm doing and, and kind of proof of concept that people are enjoying it. So it's great from basically a consumer feedback perspective. Um, but I think again, like growing up kind of on the lower end and, and having these experiences of being teased and made fun of and all of these things like really makes you kind of tuck your head into your shell. And I was also cognizant of the fact that when you look at entrepreneurship, nobody's coming to save you. And especially when you don't have parental money and you don't have all these other resources, like it's up to you. That's it. That's all. And what I realized is that your life will completely change once you take full, complete, utter ownership of everything. Whether it's your fault or not, if you take full ownership, that's the only opportunity you will ever have to make a difference because now you're in control. Where a lot of people blame their family, their financial upbringing, where they're from, the market, the government, whatever's going on as a scapegoat as to why they're not where they want to be. So that, with that being said, where I'm going with this is that when I got into real estate and I had no money, you know, yeah, I was, you know, introverted and, and, but I was willing to do whatever it took because not only did I want to prove those people wrong, but for me, family is everything. And being able to, you know, retire my parents is something that I've always dreamed of. So it's kind of like this fear shifting aspect, which I've talked to a little bit, you know, the kind of silly analogy, if you will, from fear shifting is like, if you're in an alleyway and a dog starts chasing you, you're going to run away from the dog. If you turn the corner and there's a lion there, you're going to run away from the lion towards the dog you were just running away from because the lion's a bigger fear. So at the end of the day, when you look at business, you know, yes, getting in front of the camera and leveraging social media was scary beyond belief. Um, but it was much scarier to imagine being broke, disappointing my family, everybody that believed in me and being in the same situation that I have been in my whole life. 
So essentially facing the bigger of two fears was the obvious choice for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, I feel like, you know, everybody's different and everybody deals with their own individual things. But as an introvert, obviously that first step to do that bigger, hard thing was is complicated for everybody. Besides, you know, the motivation to, uh, to have success, um, what else drove you to, to take that first step? Yeah. So I think one of the things that I realized is that along the entrepreneurial journey, especially in the beginning, where what a lot of people fell victim to, and, and I did as well, is comparison, comparing to other people. You know, comparison is the death of joy. And ultimately, when I was in the beginning and I was struggling, it was because I was comparing myself to everybody else. And I heard, I forget who it was, but on a podcast, you know, this individual basically said, my goal is not to compete against anybody else. It's not just to compete against myself. But at the end of the day, I just want to prove what I'm personally capable of regardless of what other people are doing. And I realized that if I just stay in my own lane and focus on what am I able to achieve as a man throughout the course of my life, that's all that I want to do. I don't want to prove to anybody else but myself what I'm capable of. That's why I want to tell people, you know, my mentality when I got into entrepreneurship was I'm either going to be worth $100 million or I'm going to be on the street. There's literally no in-between. Like, I'll risk it all. And I think that all stems from that goal of just wanting to say, hey, we've got, we can push ourselves, we can push beyond the limits that we're expecting. And you start realizing that if you use kind of resistance as a trigger for execution, I started to almost get like a buzz or a high from doing the things that made me the most uncomfortable. So getting in front of the camera, I was terrified, but I found love and enjoyment in seeing the end product of a well put together video. Right. Door knocking petrified me, but at the end of door knocking, it's like the end of spin class. You don't want to go in, but you feel amazing afterward. You know, that sense of achievement and doing what others aren't willing to do, you find a high in that. So I think those were kind of the things that pushed me to, you know, if you don't find enjoyment in the process and you're only focused on destination, you're never going to be fulfilled in any way, shape or form. So I started finding ways to find enjoyment in the process of what I'm doing. Awesome. I find it super interesting. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs will come up with uh, a solution to a problem to and execute on that first. You know what I mean? And it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you had the vision of where you wanted to be rather than what you wanted to do first. And real estate was maybe a real estate social, that sort of thing was just the kind of that vessel to get you there. So I'm curious why you chose the real estate route in the first place. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, this really stems from a quote that is near and dear to my heart, which is the man who chases two rabbits catches none. You know, when I was an engineer, I was trying a whole slew of different things. I was going to start up grind here in Calgary. I was going to basically anything, any entrepreneurial meetup and event I was going to, I had, I tried to start a clothing company. I tried to start like a hangover cure company. I, I tried to do all of these things. But when my mentor at the time said, Mike, the man who chases two rabbits catches none, I started realizing that if you channel every ounce of your energy and effort into one thing versus a multitude of different things, I knew my work ethic. And then that's when it clicked. And I was like, okay, I'm going to crush whatever I do. When you looked at real estate, low barrier to entry, right? At the end of the day, like, you know, the requirements isn't that difficult, um, very cost effective, very quick, but it all stems from learning those key activities of, you know, my end goal is be an angel investor. Like I never have a vision of retiring. I never want to retire. I want to be 80 years old investing in a 20 year old that's got something cool, you know? So that was the end vision. How I got there was irrelevant to me. But if I knew if I channeled everything into one space, you know, real estate became something that was within reason a passion because what started the whole entrepreneurial excitement in university when I was taking my two degrees was rich dad, poor dad, like typical, you know, cliche book, but that was predicated on real estate. And I started going down that rabbit hole. So it kind of blended like an interest and a passion with the skills that would allow me to achieve the long-term goals that I had. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people that follow you uh, know that purple is your brand color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you've also made it clear that, in, in, transparently, that purple is not your favorite color. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious as to what role, um, like, talk to me about personal branding and how important that is. 
Yeah, it, it's everything. You know, you are your brand. At the end of the day, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, especially with social media, people become so accustomed to building relationships with other people, not brands and companies, right? It's like, why does everybody know Richard Branson and Virgin? And I couldn't tell you if you paid me a million dollars to the founder of or the owner of Air Canada is. But everybody knows Richard Branson because there's a face to it, right? Same with Elon Musk. You look at all of these people, you know, they've humanized the brand. And when you can humanize the brand, it's a lot easier to connect with another human than an entity. So I think for me, that was again looking at being resourceful. One of the things I always tell people is, or ask is what's the difference between somebody that started broken as homeless or started broken as a self-made million or billionaire, for example. You see a lot of people from like India that come from literally nothing and go on to be billionaires. It was resourcefulness. So when I realized that, you know, not having money when I got started, I had to be resourceful and say, well, if, at least if I build a brand that's free and if people latch onto it, they'll get to know me. And at the end of the day, it's the ones that win in business are the ones who the most people know. Like that's been a big shift in my industry is the quote that used to always, you know, encompass real estate is the more people you know, the more deals you'll do. Well, there's a caveat to that because I've grown my business based on people that I didn't know but knew me. So when you can start to use a brand to attract the right people, not only does it help you scale, it decreases your ad cost because there's authority there. It allows you to become more searchable. There's way less competition. And you essentially eliminate all of the non-ideal clients. So you can even see, like I'm, you know, you will not find me without my brand. I'm wearing my brand on my head right now. One of the brands of the masterminds, like I'm always doing that um, because it's the, it's the most important aspect of your business. Um, social media is often, uh, you, you know, people see it as the most extravagant uh, piece of anybody's life and that sort of thing, um, which is great and bad, obviously. Uh, and I think, you know, you do a great job. I, I've followed you for years, obviously. You do a great job of, of um, showing everything, not just, not just what people want to see, but also, you know, you show your values here and there and that sort of thing, too. And I know you personally enough to know that there's a lot of things that you do off camera that are very important to your life as well. Um, I'm curious as to maybe what kind of personal values um, don't maybe make it to the camera or the social side of things. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, that's a tough one. And, and I try and do my best to make sure that there's not an answer for that. Right. I think at the end of the day, when you look at, you know, the ones that win is the ones that are as transparent as humanly possible. Right. And, you know, this even stems from how I got my first $15 million listing, which was the most expensive in the city's history is, you know, I was putting out these Instagram stories showing that I was getting up at 4 a.m. or getting up at 3 and working out and door knocking and all of these things and kind of showing that journey that others weren't showing, whether they were doing it or not. And that started to make me synonymous with work ethic. And that's how I broke into the luxury space in real estate is showing those sides that nobody else was, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Like there was times where I would get on camera on my Instagram stories and actually tell people, like here's, here's one of the, the, my favorite Instagram stories that I created. I, it was a, a $5 million listing that I was going up against the number one listing agent in Calgary that is like the luxury agent for the last 15 years. And I was about a minute from the driveway and I got on my phone and I was like, all right guys, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna be real with you here. I'm going up against the number one luxury agent in Calgary here for a $5 million listing. Uh, you know, odds aren't really in my favor, but I'm going to give it my shot. Talk about what makes me different and I'll let you guys know what happens. Well, I won the listing, but I shared that first, right? And also on the other side of things, I've shared when I lost listings and what I learned from that. So I think... That's why, you know, when I go to these events, which you've been a part of, you know, people come up in droves and they feel like they know you because I've shared, you know, every little aspect of the journey to get here. All of the things that 
a lot of people find comfort in because they're like, am I the only one that's scared of getting in front of the camera? Am I the only one that's financially stressed? Am I the only one that, you know, is going up against more experienced people and concerned about not getting it, you know? And by sharing all of that, it's made a world of a difference um, for, for my business and the credibility uh, of the brand. What kind of sacrifices have you made throughout the entire journey? Or more interestingly, is there any that you maybe regret? Yeah. Uh, yes to both. L many, many sacrifices. And I, I think this is also one of the double-edged swords of social media is, you know, and, and I'm still working on it. Like I still make sacrifices that I am trying to work on that maybe I shouldn't. I've been getting better. But to answer your question, you know, you see online this, you know, hustle culture where the only way to, you know, make a wildly successful living is to like burn the bridges and candles at both ends 24 7, 365, not do anything fun, not celebrate anything and just go, 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 go. And I fell victim to that. Like, I think there's, there's a point in your business where you have to, like my opinion is that in the first three years of your business, you have not earned a break. Like if it, and that comes with knowing your goals. Like there's a lot of people that get into business and it's a side hustle and they just want to make an extra six figures a year. Well, great, go golfing on Fridays. But if you're somebody that's driven, you want to make seven, eight, nine figures a year. Well, you know, you got to say no to those patio beers. You got to say no to golf. You got to basically say, put your head down for three years and say, I'm going to do whatever it takes because the question becomes, would you rather, you know, suck it up and give up three years of your life now or waste the next 40 not achieving your potential? So I looked at condensing time and I was able to basically in my first five years of real estate get what most people would get done in 15, 20 years because I condensed time, made the sacrifices um, and did whatever it took. Because again, knowing that I wanted to achieve my own potential, I didn't want to be able to look back at the end of each year and said, I could have done this better. I could have done more. Now, when it comes to regrets, if you will, I don't know if it's regrets, but it's lessons. Um, you know, number one, health. Like there's been times, and I'm not even in the shape that I like right now, but there's been times where you just get so consumed with everything that you let your priorities go. Like at the end of the day, if you're making $10 million a year, but you're out of shape and you're struggling to, you know, be active, you might as well be broke because your health is everything. Without your health, you have nothing, right? Relationships, right? It's taking a toll on that. You look at, you know, I think some of the more specific examples is like my friends, one of my friends, 30th birthday parties. It was something that meant a lot to him. We've been friends for a long time. He was actually at the housewarming party. And my mentality was, I, I can't go, I can't take a night off and go to his birthday party. Well, when I looked at, when I reflect on what the progress that I made that night versus the one time you're going to get a, a, an important birthday, like a 30th, I would rather have gone to that birthday knowing the opportunity cost. Because again, I think it's using your judgment. You have to be able to use logical judgment when making decisions as you're building momentum, you know, a 32nd birthday probably wouldn't care, but you look at the big ones and it's like, okay, like that's actually a big milestone. So I think, yeah, health, relationships, friendships, um, it's, it's taken a big toll. But again, those are all incredible learning lessons that you can say, you know, I'm, I think one of the traits that has allowed me to do well in business and, and build momentum so quickly is my ability to criticize myself very unbiasedly and take ownership of where I go wrong. So I'm very cognizant of the mistakes that I made, but I actually actively work to improve them and not just say, well, it is what it is. You talked a little bit about goals there, which, which is I'd like to explore a little bit further because I feel like a lot of people that look at um, people who have achieved some level of success, 
um, they look at them and they're like, oh, they, they made it. They did that. They're there. You know what I mean? But I feel like for you and a lot of others, it, it's, it's, it's a constant progression. It's setting new goals once you achieve the, the first one and that sort of thing. So first of all, what does success mean to you? And then what does your goal setting look like to make sure that you're constantly pushing forward and not just, you know, staying plateaued? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really important. Like, you know, success for me, I think, looking at the overall journey, I think at the end of the day, if you're improving year over year and you're always growing and you've got the right relationships in your life and you're healthy, to that is success. So like, for example, with the mastermind we just launched, we, we focus on four key pillars, which is fulfillment, finances, family, and fitness. Well, if you've got all, the, all four of those in check, that to me says success. Um, because there's no dollar value you can put on success. There's no material item you can put on success. It's do you have the time freedom in order to enjoy time with people? Do you have the financial ability that if somebody is sick, you've got it taken care of? Like that to me is success. Now, when it comes to the goal setting, I think that's really important because again, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about some the, the quote, if you're not growing, you're dying. And one of the things that you know, blows my mind is when you talk to parents and they're like, some of the best days in my life were in university. Like, I wish I could go back. I'm like, so you're 55 and you died at 20? You're, you're, you're alive physically, but in terms of fulfillment, you're dead, right? And, and, and that's the truth for a lot of people is that they die at 20 to 25 when it comes to their excitement and lust for life. And they're just being, like they're just living right? And decaying. And like, that's, that's not what I wanted. And that's been always a vision is like, I'm turning 31 in just over a month. Like I want to make sure 31, I'm more mature, more balanced. I'm, I'm better in, in relationships. I'm better in every way, shape or form than I was at 30. Well, I want that to be continuing to be the case when I'm 60. Like when I'm 60, I want to be like that 30 year old. He was, you know, I couldn't believe he was doing well. Like, look at where we are now, you know? And I think, that's what gets you excited for life, is that constant pursuit of growth. And what I've realized is that, yes, it's important to have a financial goal, but it's more important to trust the process and be the, the ones that can extend the time horizon for which they're expecting tangible results are the ones that win. So like I've told you in the beginning that I wanna you know, be worth $100 million. Well, I don't care if that's at 40, 50, 60, or 70. I'm just gonna do the things that I know I need to do every single day to get there. And if it happens earlier, great. If it doesn't, who cares? But I'm falling in love with the journey. And that's been one of the biggest things is people, when they define success as something materialistic, when they set only goals that are materialistic, I've been that, you know, the case study that I said I would never be. I was like, when I get a penthouse, when I get a Lamborghini, when I get the watch, I'm gonna be the happiest person on the planet. Well my relationships fell apart and I wasn't spending time with my family and I had all of those things and I was the most miserable I've ever been, right? So I think that's what really kind of helped me understand, you know, what actually matters. And I think that's a, an important kind of journey for people to go through. But if, you know, people watch something like this and they cannot have to go through that journey, I think that's, you know, a win. You talked uh, about both these things quite extensively, which is family and health. Um, you know, a lot of people think that these things are neglected uh, when, when you're striving for the top or that sort of thing. How do you, what, are there other elements besides family and health um, that are important to your success that, you, you know, help you show up every day? Uh, yes, in a sense. Like, I think, again, looking at the four components, you've got finance, family, fitness, and, and fulfillment. I think the fulfillment side is a big thing. Like for me, once you get a, a nice house or a nice car, you can go on nice trips, then it becomes the situation. And this was real for me is I was going to like these super nice hotels, but none of my friends could afford to go with me, right? I was driving these super nice cars, but none of my friends could go on a cruise and keep up with me, right? And I was, it was like, okay, well, you know, the, there's, there's a quote with a caveat, which is that I think uneducated people say it's lonely at the top. I think genuine people say it's lonely at the top until you bring enough people with you. 
So for me, my goal is how many more people can I get across the finish line with me to enjoy this lifestyle? Right? So you've met Louie. Like you know, in the next 12 months, I am, it's basically guaranteed I'm going to turn him into a millionaire. Well, a year ago, he was making a couple hundred grand. So when you start looking at that, that's pretty fulfilling. And knowing that you're changing lives and actually making an impact on other families, that's what I think pushes me on the days that I don't want to be doing this. But family and, and health is, is so, so important, right? Um, I think I've even used that as a crutch in the past, is thinking that like when you're working, you can't be as mindful of your health. And what I've learned through experience is that it's the complete opposite. When you have your health dialed in, you actually work and you show up better. And whether people want to accept this or not, people that are in better shape make more money. It's psychologically proven, right? So, you, you know, when you're working these long hours, it's like a, you know, a Lamborghini. If you go in and you put you know, the worst fuel in it, it's not going to perform at the highest level. You go fuel it up with, you know, 95, it's going to be dialed and ready to go. Well, your body's the same, right? So I think it's really important. And and of course, nobody's perfect, but you have to be able to make those judgments as you're going through your journey. I'm curious as to, you know, when you map all these things out, you know, you have a vision and you're working towards it and you're figuring out the different pathways to get to something. There's, you've talked a little bit about it too, specifically about Louis and that sort of thing, but um, there's often a lot of unexpected outcomes, both negative and positive. Uh, you know, you can't anticipate everything that's gonna happen. What are some of those, whether they be positive or negative, or maybe you'll explore a little bit of both? Yeah, I think, you know, starting with the positive, the, the big shift for me was, when I, when I made the switch to eXp Realty. You know, I had a small audience at the time. I was a decent, not amazing, I was a decent producer in terms of like how many deals you close as an agent, right? So even though I was getting these top producer awards, meaning I was selling more homes than almost anybody else at the brokerage, it's all relative because there was people crushing me all day long, right, at different brokerages. So it's, it's a relative term. But... You know, when I made that switch to eXp, especially coming from those limiting beliefs and that small town mindset, I've, I, even with the local mastermind or the, the mastermind that I just launched, I was like, you know, will anybody even want to join? Like, it's just me, right? Like, what the heck? I'm just putting out free content. And that was the mindset that I had going into this. I was like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can. But I heavily underestimated what over delivering for two years did for my brain and my business. So even though the vanity metrics of the subscribers and the likes and the comments and views were not that admirable, they were extremely high quality and bought in. So when I made that switch to a brokerage that gave me leverage to say, hey, you know, I was on the verge of quitting real estate. In 2019, I was done. I was sick and tired of chasing the next deal. And it just landed on my lap that it was like, okay, you can stay in this industry leverage your skill set, what you love about it, not have to do what you don't like about it and be able to make an impact. So I said, well, I've got nothing to lose by trying it. I've got everything to lose by not giving it a shot. I tried in my income in 12 months from, from 300,000 to 3 million. So I 10 X my income by creating leverage. And you know, that completely took me by surprise. It completely changed my life, my family's life and, and everybody else around me. So that really caught me by surprise. In terms of the negatives, I think a lot of the negatives came from my own lack of development as as a person, right? I think I had a lot of maturing to do. Uh, My income grew faster than my persona. And I think I made mistakes, again, affecting friendships, relationships, time with family that I always told myself I would never do. But then I grew so quick that you kind of just get lost in the whole ecosystem. And I caught myself on multiple occasions being like, holy cow. And other people, thankfully, I've got really great people in my life that, that, that will call me out too. And they would say like, that's not you. Like I, I know you and that's not you. 
So I think along the journey, it, you'll surprise yourself. And I think it's, that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people that are honest with you. Like this is where I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle. You know, I, I, saw, I saw a quote the other morning and I, I love it. And it said, most, most people want to be in the big leagues, but they're putting in backyard effort. And the worst part is, is the parents are still cheering them on. Right? So for me, like you look at some of the names we've talked about, Louie and these other people, like these are people that will cheer you on, but as soon as you do something out of character or that could be improved, they'll be the first to call you out. And I think a lot of people surround themselves with cheerleaders that you could be doing way better for yourself, but they're just telling you you're doing amazing. Right? And that's nice. But the real things that make you grow are the more difficult conversations, the things that you're not doing right, and you need to be surrounded by that. I love that. And you, you speak to uh, you know, relationships and family and that sort of thing often. And I was going to go into the idea of like support systems and how important you know, valuable support systems are and people that you can kind of fall back on and check in on and that sort of thing. But I think the call-out aspect is, is just as important, if not more so. 100%. Yeah. And, and, you know, thankfully with, with my family, with business partners like Louie, like with my girlfriend, you know, they, there's so many times that you feel like giving up. Like I was recently speaking at a, a big real estate event and one of the top, you know, industry coaches, him and I were jamming out back and forth. And he asked me a question like, Mike, how often do you deal with self-doubt? And my response was literally every single day I opened my eyes, right? Because I think if you're, if you're humble, you'll actually question whether you're worth it. You, you know, you're always questioning yourself because you've got such high expectations for yourself and what, you're, what you know you're capable of doing that you're always, it's, it's a concept that I think is important for people to understand. There's a book about it called The Gap in the Gain. And what this is, is that let's say you're, you're starting at zero, you want to do a million dollars a year. You're currently doing 40K a year. Well, let's say you go all in for this year in the next 12 months, and in 12 months from now, you did $200,000. Well, the average person is going to say, damn, I'm $800,000 away from my goal. I'm terrible. I'm not worth it. I can't do it. That's measuring yourself in the gap of where you are to where you wanted to go. I think there's a lot of value in measuring yourself in the gain, which is saying you went from 40K a year to 200. Not only that, that doesn't, that's only the tangible income side. That doesn't even account for the intangible skills you developed along that journey, right? So I think that's an important concept for people to be very mindful of as they go through, through the journey of entrepreneurship is measuring yourself as to how can you always be getting better in every aspect of your life. Yeah, yeah. Um. Interesting, you were touching on this a little bit there, uh, imposter syndrome. You know, a lot of people look up to entrepreneurs and, and people of, of power or position or success, whatever that looks like for them, um, and, and say, oh, they don't experience that. Yeah. Uh, but you said, you know, you, you wake up and you self-doubt every day and, and, and those sort of things. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? You know, you also said um, you weren't sure if people were going to sign up for the mastermind. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, you know, Still to this day, and I'll, talk, I'll tell people that, and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, why would people not? Like, look at what you've done. But I, I, I think, again, you know, as a driven entrepreneur, you're always going to be your own harshest critic. It's just being able to control that narrative very strategically. Because if you are criticizing yourself to a fault, well, you're going to be depressed and anxious and, and full of all of these negative emotions. If you don't criticize yourself and you just think everything's good, we all know that it could take years to build it up. But one day to break it down, right? So I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, but I think, again, when, when you start looking at the, the biggest concept here, I think it's identifying your why and, and getting very clear on that. Um, because on the days that you're doubting yourself, you have to remind yourself why you're doing this. Like I tell people all the time, I see this with new agents and stuff like that. Uh, is, you know, they, they put a year into their business, they don't get to where they want to be, and now they're down and out. And 
one of the reasons why most people quit is they forgot where they got started. So if you're just about to launch a business or I asked them in my industry, you know, how did you feel when you just got your real estate license? Did you feel like you were going to take over the world, blow this up, change your life, your family's life, make a ton of money? Um, or did you go in thinking, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dabble, but you know, as soon as things get tough, I'm, I'm signing the dotted line, I'm going to check out. Like, no, nobody does that, right? So you have to have those constant reminders as to why you got started to keep that fire going. But that blended with your why and surrounding with people that, you know, will tell you that you're doing great. Like people that you can trust when they say that, it means something, right? So I think in the beginning, a lot of it's going to be on you. But as you start to build momentum, you're going to get feedback from the audience, if you will, whether you've got a product or service that will, you know, if you genuinely reflect on that, it will validate that, yeah, you know, you're doing something pretty special. Um, you, you talked about, uh, this concept of bringing your friends and peers and family and that sort of thing with you. And the idea of retiring your family you talked about early on. Um, I know personal stories of things that you've done that have been absolutely incredible for your family and, and people around you. Um, why, why is that important? Is that part of kind of the thing that keeps you going? And, and why, why is, why, why do you do that? Yeah. You know, I think having that supportive family really helped me in the beginning because I, I knew what it was like to have people there for you no matter what. So I think growing up and having that, like as long as you've got a great relationship with your family, you always want to do something for them. Right. And I think, so that's always been inherent, but I find especially, you know, as I've started to amass some of the material things that I like, what I've realized is that you know, those are short-term happiness. You get, you know, a dose of dopamine for a couple of weeks or a month, and then it, it, it just becomes normal. But experiences and making other people, you know, laugh or feel happy or create unforgettable moments and go on trip, like that's the stuff that is so much more fulfilling long-term. So it keeps that effect going when you can reflect on what you've done for them and the emotions that they had at the time. And then I think when you look at, you know, the four core pillars of family, finance, fitness, and fulfillment, fulfillment being one of them, we're huge advocates of if it doesn't duplicate, it doesn't matter. That's been a big concept of our business. And if I'm the only one that can do something and nobody else can emulate that, then it's not scalable. So for me, a lot of the proof and validity of what I've done is being able to help create other success stories doing what I've done. But also it's, it just goes back to that sense of achievement when you know that you're actually making a tangible difference on somebody else's life. And I think if you're always consumed by yourself and the next thing that you're looking to get and the next thing you're looking to do, you're gonna live a very empty, unhappy, unfulfilled life. So for me, again, like my vision is, you know, to have my top 20 friends all making multiple seven figures a year, all being able to go to really cool places with our families in the future and, and create these unforgettable experiences. Like, I don't want to do that alone, right? And, and that's not exciting. So now that's, that's been my biggest goal is how many people can get across the hump. And, you know, my, I've, I've said this multiple times on videos is that I want to help my mission long term is help a thousand people make a million dollars a year. And so that's where it starts to go with that legacy play. Right? A lot of people talk about generational wealth, which is great. Two generations after, it's probably going to be gone. Um, but impact is a big thing. And that's where I looked at, you know, when the day comes that I pass away, I think the, the real litmus test and barometer for the impact you made is not how many people are following you or subscribing to you, but how many people are showing up on your funeral, Right. How many people are, are, you know, feeling emotion some type of way because of the impact that you made on so many other people. So that's been like a long-term goal to always want to achieve that. Um, I always, I always am curious about succession planning when it comes to personal branding and that sort of thing, you know, like I know you're, you're super young and, and you're just getting started, that sort of thing. But has, have you given any thought or does it cross your mind at any point? Like what the, what, what might, what it might look like when, when you're done? hundred percent. Like, and I know what it's going to look like from my own perspective now, but that's like, even when I got started in real estate, you know, I, 
had the Instagram handle The Purple Realtor. And I didn't give myself that name, you know, thankfully other people did. Um, because when they saw the purple and I was getting messages from people saying, Mike, every time I see the color purple, I think of you. And I latched onto it and it really stuck. But then I also had to look at, you know, there's a book called The E-Myth, which I think most entrepreneurs are familiar with, which is you have to start with the end in mind. And I started realizing, well, my long-term goal is not to be a Mike Sherrard, the realtor. It's to be Mike Sherrard, the entrepreneur, right? Serial investor, angel investor, multiple companies, different industries, making an impact on the general entrepreneurial community. So knowing that, I had to say, okay, I've got to make this somewhat daunting change to go everything Mike Sherrard, right? And I did. Now, I made mistakes when doing that. And I think that that was one of the big lessons is as I was doing that, knowing that I wanted to create more of a personal brand, less of a realtor brand, I started doing all these staged photo shoots and these like Instagrammy, you know, type typical influencer stuff. And it, it's so not me. Like, you know, the only photos that I post are like candid shots that you guys take. Like, I, I'm not going to go do a staged photo shoot because um, that's not genuine to me. But I, I got caught up in that space thinking that that's what you had to do to build that succession plan because that's what you see online. And then when I went to a personal branding mastermind in L.A., you know, the, the guy, Gerard Adams, that was running it was like, he's like, dude, that's not you. Like, you're completely different. You know, I thought you were going to be, you know, had this massive ego and I thought you were going to be a bit of a dick, but, you know, you're super genuine, you're humble. Like, so there's a disconnect. And that's when I went back to the roots. And so all that's to say, that's a lot of why I'm doing what I'm doing now is saying, you know, with this mastermind, I'm going to prove this in this space of the concept. Like now I'm at the point where I'm less trying to achieve things in real estate. I'm more trying to prove concepts that can be applied anywhere. So when we build this mastermind and, and it's scaling like crazy right now, beyond our wildest expectations, well, we're documenting every step of the process that we did to get here so that when we, you know, after all is said and done, we get 10,000 people in here. Maybe you're in the finance industry. Maybe you're in the auto industry. Maybe you're in, you know, health industry and you want to create your own ecosystem. We can show you how to do that. And I think that's why, you know, even with the launch of my podcast in the new year, a lot of it is going to be surrounded more on principles and habits and concepts more than industry-specific tactics because that way it's kind of that, you know, eventual succession plan into just being Mike Sherrard, the entrepreneur that happened to prove it in real estate. What's the hardest part about the, what you do every day? <sighs> You know, genuinely, I think that the hardest part is, you know, there's a lot of times I just don't want to do what I'm doing, right? And I think anybody that has built success will, will honestly tell you this, is that you don't want to do 90% of the stuff you have to. And that's just the truth. Like, there's, there's so many days I don't want to spend 10 hours on Zoom. There's so many days I don't want to record content. Like, I think that's the hardest part, but then you look at the byproduct of that, which is what you want, it's like, what's the bigger up, what's the bigger cost, right? So the hardest part is when things start to take a toll, when things start to get overwhelming, how do you push through that? Like, the ones that win in business are the ones that get up, and even on the days you don't want to go to the gym, you still go. Right, And it comes down to that discipline factor where a lot of people say that stupid quote that if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, that's complete BS, right? Because it, you know, I'm doing what I love, but I have to work every freaking day. And there's a lot of things in, you know, in conjunction with the parts that you do love that you have to do that you don't love. Like if I could just record videos all day and then go travel, like, I would love that a lot more, but, like, that's not realistic. So I think when, when you look at this journey and the highlight reels you see on Instagram, is like you see the trips and the this and that. I'm like, yeah, I've got a nice car. I drive it to the gym in black 15 minutes a day in the morning, and then it sits in my garage. 
the guy go on nice trips, but that's like once a quarter, maybe at best. So I think people need to be very mindful of the fact that if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And that's why it's the 1% that make it to you know, a certain level of success because they're willing to embrace the things that suck knowing that the byproduct of those are the things that you enjoy. Awesome. What's next? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I've always got that mapped out. And I'm just excited, you know, working with my coach, he, he talks about a concept that's a couple concepts that are really important. One is four paths to the pier, which is essentially the concept of what the actions people can take when they come into your ecosystem, which is bounce, opt in, learn more or purchase or enroll or whatever. So that's like somebody coming to my YouTube channel and leaving. That's bounce. Learn more is or kind of like watching one or two videos. Opt in is like, okay, they're part of your community. And then purchase is like Wolfpack, for example, like they're bought in. What I didn't have previously was an inclusive opportunity and only an exclusive opportunity. So that was the, the big vision behind the, the mastermind is say, uh, I've got this skill set and this knowledge that so many people want, but I don't have an opportunity for them. I'm, I'm doing a disservice to the impact that I could be making. So I need to create an inclusive opportunity. So that's the first thing. The second thing, which is also by my court, coach George Bryan, is, is customer journey which is how people feel before, during, and after working with you. So I'm spending a lot of time creating more intimate experiences. Like with the mastermind, we're going to be having people flying here, have you guys come film, you know, do in-person podcasts, and, and, and be able to bring the human element to it on a more intimate level. So for me, a lot of it is essentially inclusive community. That's my big kind of priority going forward live events, virtual events, private retreats, masterminds, all things where you can bring the right people together that all kind of funnels into that impact aspect of it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man. Thanks so much for taking the time and sharing these incredible insights into, you know, not only your life, but business and, you know, um, all the learnings along the way. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's, you know, you've been, a, you, you and your whole team have been a pivotal kind of component to, to building the personal brand. And I think that's why, you know, the last thing we have to say with this is that you, you have to be able to look at things as an investment, not an expense. And I invest a lot into documenting those journeys with you guys, knowing that that is, that gives me the ability to show, not just tell. And I think for people that are serious about building their personal brand, they too have to look at this not as an expense for their business, but an investment into documenting that journey, building your personal brand, and being able to, again, have proof of concept so it's based on practice, not theory. So, you know, I'm forever grateful for what you guys do. Yeah, and likewise for your support.